What's going on? Whoa. That's it. Did you hear it? <laughs> yeah. What's going on, guys? I got, Welcome back. I got alert on my screen, too. Really? So to, like, so accept it. What the? Yeah. Who knows? All right, guys. Welcome to this week's episode of Outside the Arena with Mac and Griff. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my co-host, Mac Rommel. Today, uh, a busy week in sports, to say the least. We've had another week in the NBA playoffs go by. I know it's sure been a roller coaster of emotions for those involved, those Knicks fans out there that are watching this. I know it's been a, a, a interesting week, to say the least. Uh, you guys play. You guys might play tonight, honestly. I forget if it's Sunday or Monday that they play their next game. Um, let me see. Knicks fans are playing today at 1 p.m. Oh, my goodness. An afternoon special. So that will be probably up. That will finish potentially before this is up. I don't know when this will come up. But nonetheless, it's another day of the NBA playoffs. But we're going to start first today discussing kind of the hot topic of the week in terms of the NFL world. And that is Julio Jones, star wide receiver out of Atlanta. Um, He was caught on Skip and Shannon saying, you know, he is out of Atlanta. He does not want to be there anymore. Um, and, you know, the Falcons seem to be listening for trade. Some potential teams that have been linked to him have been the Titans, the Ravens, the Patriots, uh, to name a few. Those teams have been uh, linked as suitors, to say the least. So, Mac, I'm going to start with you here. What are your whole thoughts on the Julio situation? Do you think a deal will get done? Obviously, we've seen some of these trade got, trade people asking for trades not get dealt this offseason. So, do you think Julio does end up getting dealt? And if so, where to do you think Julio Jones will be playing in the NFL next season? Yeah, I think he's getting done this year. It's just a matter of when. Uh, it will happen, though, for sure. You you mentioned the main teams, the Patriots, Titans, Ravens. Obviously, everyone's looking at those. A.J. Brown's trying to recruit Julio Jones there to the Titans. He's working hard on that. So we're going to see if that pays off eventually. But, yeah, I see he's going to be getting traded. The seven-time Pro War, two-time First team all pro. I mean, this guy's a stud. You're not going to get him for cheap or something cheap. The Falcons, you're hearing things, first round pick, second round pick, something like that. But I do think uh, they're going to deep down want a little bit more than that and see what they can pull out of some teams. But really the team I'm looking at to push this team over the edge, this team doesn't have a true number one wide receiver. And they will, in my opinion, probably be favorites in the NFC if they do this. You put them on the Rams, it's over. I'm sorry, Matthew Stafford, Julio Jones, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. I mean, that offense will be unstoppable. Defensively, you know, they got a top three defense easily. Offensively, yeah, Julio Jones, that offense, it's over. Yeah, um, I I think the Rams are an interesting spot. I think the cap situation is just the problem there because the Rams are, um, you know, a little in the gutter with the cap at the moment. Um, I agree. I think he'll be dealt this offseason. I think this is one where the Falcons – it's weird because if you look at Atlanta, I mean, their offense has the ability to compete in the, in the National Football League. They have, a, in my eyes, a, a top 15 or so offense, maybe even higher. I mean, I'm not just thinking, but, you know, offensively, this is a good team. It's just the defensive side of the ball. They've got some young, unproven guys. A.J. Terrell, the cornerback, obviously, um, didn't really have a great first year. They've got, you know, guys like Deion Jones and whatnot playing linebacker, Grady Jarrett, probably the best player on that defense. But they're kind of just missing a few key pieces. They lost a lot of guys in the secondary to Dallas this offseason. Um, so they're missing pieces uh, mm-hmm. in terms defensively. So, I mean, it makes sense. It's kind of the time. Um, if you can get back some draft capital, I mean, I don't know if this team's going to be competitive while Julio, um, you know, is still in his prime. And I think it is the time to, to move and get someone. So in terms of teams, I think will end up with him. I think what I've heard and, and 
what I would think is the team that I think he'd end up on is Baltimore. Um, I think Baltimore really could mm-hmm. use Julio Jones. They went out, they have a Sebron Sammy Watkins. They drafted, um, oh God, who'd they draft in the first round? Rashad Bateman. Um, yeah. So they have guys, but they just don't have that number one still. I mean, Marquise Brown has proven that he's not going to be the case. He needs to be more of a third option in my eyes from what we've seen. So I think if you add Julio to that offense, it finally gives Lamar that true number one that you're looking at. And, you know, in a competitive division with the team like the Cleveland Browns, who a lot of people think are a top two, three team in the AFC, and then also a Pittsburgh Steelers team that, um, you know, they lost some pieces, but they're still expected to be a pretty fairly good team, potential playoff team. And then you got the up-and-coming Cincinnati Bengals, very young team. Um, they added some good defensive pieces, Trey Hendrickson, Mike Hilton, Tudobia Wuzier and whatnot. Um, so they're going to be competitive as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. But the team that I think should trade for him um, and I'd love to see this happen is the green Bay Packers for me are that team where Julio Jones, I mean, that would solve so many problems for them. First of all, I think if you trade for Julio, I think Aaron Rodgers stays. I don't think he would leave. I think you keep Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, imagine pairing Julio Jones and Avante Adams with Aaron Jones oh. on that offense with Aaron Rodgers throwing the football. It'd be almost unstoppable. Obviously a lot of unrest. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, it's not been ideal. He lost his all pro center this off season, Corey Lindsley. Uh, they still kind of went around not upgrading wide receiver um, position to the to the max. Their defense really didn't get much better. They bring back Aaron Jones, so that was good. But, I mean, I think Julio Jones would just put that team over the edge. We've seen them so close. They need that extra piece. And for me, you get Julio Jones, that offense would be unstoppable. And I think that's how you potentially can solve the problems with Aaron Rodgers. you got to make a big move. you got to do something. How about bringing in Julio Jones for, for the bad man himself? What a choice that was. I was thinking about that, and I heard some about that the other day, and I'm just thinking two of the best receivers in the NFL on the same team. You never hear of it. That would be something to watch. That's prime time, and that's what you would get. And really, I think with Julio Jones, uh, I guess the last point I'll make is a lot of these teams, I think Patriots, Rams, Ravens, and then as you said, the Packers, you add Julio Jones to this team, the jump they make is so big that they could be a Super Bowl contender or a real true contender just because of this one move. And then you go to the Titans, and this is where I think the difference is and why he won't go to the Titans. They still have so many defensive problems. They are just not there yet. You could add them to the offense to make that offense unstoppable. But defensively, you're not there yet. I don't think you're ready to contend there with Tennessee. So that's why I think Tennessee may be out of, the, uh, out of a trade uh, option, I guess, uh, to put, put it that way, um, for Julio Jones. But these other teams, Patriots, Rams, Ravens, and as you said, the Packers, I think those are perfect teams for him to go to to make that jump and potentially get a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, uh, last point I'll touch on about what you said. I, I agree with you. I think the Titans are just all around not going to be the team he wants to play for. Um, first of all, I just don't think they're a Super Bowl contender or have the pieces and ability to be a Super Bowl contender within a few years. I mean, if you look at these past few off seasons for them, some of the players they've lost, they've lost Jack Conklin, the right tackle. I mean, that's Looking now back at it, that's a significant loss. He's He was great last year for Cleveland. They lost Corey Davis to the Jets this offseason. Obviously, they brought in Clown. He didn't really work out, but he's now gone. Um, maybe you could have worked something out. I mean, um, it, it, it's just they've lost a lot of guys this past few offseason. It doesn't feel like they're quite adding. I mean, you look at the draft this year. They did add Caleb Farley, a cornerback who did fall um, due to his injury. So if he's healthy and good, we knew this guy could be a top 10 pick in the draft. I mean, we don't know what would have happened if he didn't get injured and whatnot and have that surgery. So he's got some real potential there, but I just think overall with the Titans right now, um, they kind of had their nice few years of, you know, being that playoff team. And I I think they still could be a playoff team, but 
to me, uh, I still think they're they're pretty far away from being a Super Bowl team. I think we've seen them get exposed against really good teams as well. I mean, if you look at, you know, the Cleveland game last year, it just comes to mind right off the bat. They got blown out at home uh, yeah. against Cleveland, who's, you know, proven to be a very good team. And that was with a lot of, you know, that's last year's Cleveland Browns team. This year's Cleveland Browns team is expected to be 20 times better, potentially. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. But for me, Tennessee, I agree, it does not make much sense for Julio Jones. Yep, Julio Jones going to be very, very excited to see where he goes. If he stays, I think that'll be the biggest surprise. I mean, you could really see him on any team. Yeah. I do think him staying with Atlanta is going to be the true surprise uh, for Julio Jones this offseason. Yeah, it's been interesting to see. I mean, we've seen, you know, stars like Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers request trades, and so far nothing's happened. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think Deshaun's staying for sure. But, um, I mean, that was the uh, beginning of the offseason – I know. That was the whole talk of the podcast. Every week it was like Deshaun Watson, good. where is he going to end up? And now, no, you know, because of Deshaun Watson, all he's um, Yeah, is he in prison or not at this point is what we're talking about with Deshaun Watson. So, <laughs> um, that's not good. Hopefully that gets resolved and, and Deshaun is proven innocent. Um, but besides the point, that will do it for the Julio Jones discussion for this week. We'll be uh, – stay tuned because we will keep discussing that weekly – on a weekly basis as it proceeds and, and any more news that comes out, it's a while to go for the NFL season. So, um, you know, we'll yep. see what happens, but um, moving on to the NBA playoffs, it has been a fantastic first week of basketball. I haven't really watched much basketball to be honest. I watched some of my cats this year, but watching the playoffs, man, it, it is a different breed. And I have to say, shout out to those Knicks fans, MSG. Um, one of the craziest playoff atmospheres I've ever seen in my life is, you know, those two games at MSG against the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, that place was, literally rocking it was very um you know i'd heard of you know my friends are next time they're like oh yeah you know msg will be rocking i was like i was like yeah i'll probably be you know going crazy but not to that extent i mean that was crazy i don't know if you saw msg and whatnot but it was it was wild seeing that kind of atmosphere it sure was and i don't know if you want to start off with the knicks then since we're on that topic yeah let's start off with the knicks so uh yeah um obviously uh while recording this Atlanta is up two to one, and it really has been a pretty dominant series in my eyes from Atlanta. Um, I'm going to pass this to you um, in a sec, but you look at the Knicks, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett still haven't found their footing in the playoffs yet, Mac. What are your thoughts on this New York Knicks team right now? What they have to do to quite get it going? And because right now, I mean, it looks like Atlanta has just been overall the better team so far in this series. Yeah, Atlanta's been playing well. I mean, especially Trey Young. First game, 32 points. Trey Young, second game, 30 points. There's no stopping Trey Young right now. And for the Knicks, you got, you ha- you're having guys that aren't playing too consistently. Game one, Alex Burke's the one who goes off. Game two, it's Derrick Rose. And game three, Derrick Rose led again. But still, you're not seeing this consistency from all guys each and every game so far. The Hawks are shooting much better than the Knicks. I mean, just look at game three. They shot 51.9% from the field. Knicks shot 35.8%. And then from three, they're shooting 59.3%. I mean, they're just dominating shooting the ball. They can't stop Trey Young. And the Knicks, yet again, more consistent on offense. And hopefully some of those guys can pan out and start working together uh, all in one in the same game. Yeah. Um, I like what you said about the Hawks. I mean, this is a great shooting team, very underrated shooting team. Like you said, game three, um, you know, game two wasn't particularly their best game. Uh, guys like Bogdanovich and Gallinari really struggled, but those guys picked it up. I mean, they made 16 threes in game three. So this team, that's what they need to be. And, um, you know, this team for the New York Knicks right now, it's really been a struggle between R.J. Bear and Julius Randle, like I mentioned uh, when previewing this. I mean, Julius Randle, this is a guy who won most improved player. He is 
really can be attributed to this this team's success. Obviously, Tom Thibodeau has done an incredible job coaching this team, making them a defensive powerhouse, one of the better defensive teams in the league. But Julius Randle has, I mean, fallen asleep in the series. I mean, this guy is shooting subpar every game. I mean, I think he was like two for 14 or two for 15 in game three or something like that. I mean, game two, the second half, he kind of came alive. But game one, it was it was a disaster. First half of game two, I mean, he has not had, had played very good basketball. R.J. Barrett, seven points in game three. I mean, that can't happen. Derrick Rose has really been the only chance and the only guy who has performed for this New York Knicks team. Every game, he has gone out there. He has balled. He obviously got the start game three. Alfred Caden was starting before. Derrick Rose has been the spark for this team, and no one else is doing anything. And it's got to be frustrating for the Knicks and for their fans. You know, the Hawks are a very quality team in this league. I don't know if Knicks fans are overlooking them or whatnot, but with Trey Young, obviously, um, you know, they, they're a very good shooting team. They've got great depth. I mean, you got guys like Herder, Gallinari, Lou Will coming off the bench. I mean, that is a great unit right there. But the New York Knicks, in order to right the ship, I mean, this is a good defensive team, but we saw that effort at the first game of game two, first few minutes. That's the kind of effort this team needs to be. I mean, they just looked lazy the other day. They weren't making their shots. So, for the Knicks to have a chance in the series, Randall's got to start playing better. Barrett's got to start playing better. Without those two guys, this New York Knicks team has absolutely no chance in my eyes of winning. Um, game four today would be huge. If they can steal that game, then it's a very competitive series. They go back to the Garden for game five, which I think favors them. But they lose today going down 3-1. I just don't see them winning three in a row against this Atlanta Hawks team the way they're playing. Okay, well, you just completely lagged out on my end. <laughs> so that's yeah, I, I got the as I finished that I got your internet connection is unstable, so that was not good. <laughs> Ohio internet is not rocking today, huh? But um, yeah, yeah, the Knicks cool. they're gonna have to start turning things around very quickly. The, the Hawks, as I said, and as you said, they're just shooting too well. You can't stop them. You need R.J. Barrett. You need these guys to start making plays and working together, putting their best foot forward. I mean, in game two, like you said, they were putting in the effort. They were able to out-rebound, and they were able to prevent shots especially, and that's what we've been talking about. The Hawks are able to shoot in game two. They were able to prevent them from shooting um, compared to the first game and, of course, uh, game three. So you're able to stop them from shooting and limit those um, shots and then, of course, out-rebound the Hawks. I think the Knicks are being in a good position to succeed but right now uh it's not looking too good for the Knicks yeah I completely agree with that hopefully uh the viewers at home heard what I had to say I think it should be good but if not well that's unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to watch that one back when editing and see if it if it recorded or whatnot um all okay. right so with that you're supposed to send it. Let, let's make them <laughs> translate them for them uh for themselves that's it yeah exactly exactly make them interpret it all right with that we can move on um to we'll go to one of the blowout series so far, and that has been the Philadelphia 76ers and the Washington Wizards. Honestly, the biggest yep. headline of this story was you know that fan dumping popcorn on Russell Westbrook. That's unacceptable, <laughs> can't be happening. Fans have got to you know keep their, their emotions <laughs> under control. You cannot be harming the players in any way, that's just pretty unacceptable. But Philadelphia has really dominated this series. I mean, they're up 3 0. Game one was a very close game, it looked like it might be a good series, but since then. Uh, this Philly team has just pulled away. I mean, Joel Embiid, the MVP candidate himself, likely probably will come second in that race. Had a fantastic game yesterday. I believe he dropped 32 or something like that. Yeah, 36, even better. Tobias Harris has been great. Ben Simmons has been doing a lot of stuff. Seth Curry was back shooting the ball well yesterday. So, Mac, I mean, what are your thoughts on this series? It really looks like 76ers um, just too good for the Washington Wizards right now. And, and it's unfortunate. Wizards look good down the stretch, but just seems like they're a bit outmatched at the moment. 
I mean, the 76ers, you just cannot stop them. I mean, the Wizards, you got Bradley Beal. I mean, game two dropping 33 points. And then, but after that, you kind of see a drop off 11 points next best in this game. Uh, so you're not really seeing uh, some similarities there. I mean, you got to have Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal working together on all cylinders. You have to hit on every single shot if you're going to win games. They haven't been able to do that. And even when Westbrook and Beal are hitting on all strides, they're still unable to do anything because the rest of the team not putting up points. They're not helping defensively, and you just cannot stop 76ers in their offense right now. I mean, you talk about Joel Embiid, him and Harris yesterday. Uh, they combined for 56 points. And once again, the Sixers keep on shooting every game uh, so far. Game one, two, and three, they're shooting over 55%. And then game three, the Wizards didn't even shoot over 40%. The Wizards are nowhere near uh, where the 76ers are right now uh, from a scoring side of things, but uh, they're also shooting over 50% from three and you're out rebounding the Wizards each and every game right now. So it's not looking good for the Wizards. The 76ers are dominating on all levels. Yeah, Philadelphia has been a far superior team, and I think – you know, Washington's depth has been the problem for them. I mean, you look past, like you mentioned, Westbrook and Bradley Beal, who's supposed to be getting the job done. They paid a guy like Davis Bertans in this offseason. He has not been performing in these playoffs. Rui Hachimura, the young forward um, out of Gonzaga, has not been performing very particularly well this series either. And you look at their guard depth. I mean, they're relying so heavily on Westbrook and Beal, but they have no guys, no shooters coming in off the bench. I mean, they've got Raul Nito, Ishmith, Robin Lopez, these guys are journey men. These guys are bums. These guys are guys that are getting time for the minimum. They can't be playing meaningful minutes in the playoffs. I mean, if you want to be a championship team, you look at these championship teams, look at the Nets, look at the Lakers. They do not have Raul Nieto or Ish Smith getting 20 minutes in a game in the playoffs when it's a meaningful game. That just doesn't happen. And that can't happen for this Washington team. Uh, you know, look in the off season. I understand a lot of your money's allocated to those two stars, Westbrook and Deal, but through the draft, through trade, through free agency, you got to go out and get some depth pieces because right now, I mean, this team, they have the top-level talent, but that next tier, it's just – it's non-existent. They have no bench. Um, it, it's just an embarrassment for these guys coming off the bench. I mean, these guys are, are journeymen. They're guys on the minimum. Um, you can't be having these kind of guys here um, playing in, the, in a series against the 76ers, the one seed. You can't expect to win games when, when those guys are playing 20 minutes. So that's kind of my take on that. Um, Westbrook and Beal, they have a good supporting cast. This team could be very good, but with the journeyman on this ball club, absolutely not. Yeah, no, we'll, I mean, Beal and Westbrook, I mean, as you said, they're allocating a lot of their money to those two top guys, but even when they're hitting on all, all cylinders, they're playing great. They're still not able to win these games, and that's the problem here. They thought they found something by getting this duo that's going to be electric. They're going to put up points. They're going to be able to help your defense and just help your team overall, and they're doing that. But aside from that, you have no help with the other three guys. Nothing at all, and you're not going to win games from just two players. It's a team sport, and you have to have all five players playing well if you want to win some games. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really hard. I mean, we've only seen it with, like, LeBron that I can remember with that, you know, some of those Cavs teams where he's had a bad supporting cast. But even then, he's had guys who are, like, decent on the team at least, like guys that you can at least look to for shots. Yeah. I mean, these Westbrook and Beal are just, like, they're just struggling right now. So – It'll be interesting to see what happens, but I believe they will be getting swept in game four, whenever that is. So we'll move on to uh, an actual sweep in this series, which was the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. A Miami Heat team that a lot of people said coming in was going to be a real challenge for the Bucks. Well, it looks like they are just a bubble <laughs> team, a fraud in the bubble. Um, everyone's getting on them for that. But, I mean, you look at the Heat. Jimmy Butler really didn't have the series people were expecting. 
Same with Bam Adebayo. He played good, but not great. I mean, this team, we're even looking at some guys for the Miami Heat right now, like Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson. I mean, these guys are young guys, but they're just not performing. Um, Duncan Robinson did play good in game one, but yeah. Tyler Harrow has just not been – he's kind of been atrocious, really. Um, it seems like he's a product of the bubble, a guy who can't produce out of it, weirdly enough. So, Mac, obviously, you look at the Bucks, Giannis, Chris yeah. Milton, Drew Holiday. His team has been told they can't get it done in the playoffs. They sweep the Miami Heat. They look really good right now, obviously on pace to play a Brooklyn Nets team second round. What did you like from the Milwaukee Bucks? And on the flip side, Miami Heat, what went wrong for them? I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, I don't remember if it was this team or who was saying what. I think Giannis was saying something about losing or something along those lines. I don't remember. Giannis said, like, we didn't want to play with our food or something. Like, you know the saying – um, don't play with your food. We didn't want to play with our food. I yeah. think was what Giannis said. Yeah, but I mean, coming into this, uh, I mean, Bucks have been really doing relatively well in the playoffs recently. This year, they turned around. As you said, they get the sweep. They're playing good. Him, Chris Middleton, game one, they combined for 53 points. They're really just carrying uh, this offense, as you said. And then Gordon Dragic, Duncan Robinson, they were solid game one. They combined for 49 points. But aside from that, really haven't been able to do much. And then just speaking on how dominant the Bucks really were in the series. Games two and three, they won them both by an average of 31.5 points. These games are not close. The Bucks are absolutely destroying the Heat. And there's, I mean, what is there really to say? They're performing on offense, performing on defense. That's all that matters. They came out on in the last game, and they came back from 12-point deficit. That's all you got to see uh, for the Bucks. They're getting it done either way, and they destroyed the Heat. Yeah, Milwaukee really um, impressed me this series. I mean, this was a team that I wasn't sure of coming in. The Drew Holiday move was interesting in the offseason, but it looks like it's a great move. I mean, this team, they've got great players. I mean, obviously, Don, Dante DiVincenzo is a huge loss for them. He's going to be out for the playoffs. That's a guy you don't want to miss. He has been a huge piece for them, a starter, um, a great shooter and whatnot. That's going to be a piece they miss. But in terms of the rest of these guys, I mean, you got guys like Brooke Lopez in the finale dropping 25 points. I mean, that's pretty funny. I mean, their depth is all right, but they've got some, you know, decent guys, PJ Tucker, Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis. I kind of like those guys off the bench. But when you got that big star power at the top, it's a really good team. Um, and they're very good defensively. They're well coached by Mike Budenholzer. Um, so this is a good team. I expect them to go far. And I think this was a huge statement for them to say, Hey, we lost the, these guys in the bubble last year, but we're the real team. We're the better team. We improved in the off season. We kept working and now we're here. And I think a series between them and the Brooklyn Nets, is going to be fascinating. And I think with that, um, we can jump right into this Brooklyn Nets series. They lost sure. game three to the Boston Celtics and uh, the Nets, you know, heavy favorites right now for this league title, losing game three to a Celtics team without Jalen Brown, without a lot of their star players. I mean, you look at the box score, Chase and Tatum, this guy's ridiculous, 50 points, seven to six, six rebounds, no answer whatsoever on Brooklyn's end for him. And Brooklyn, you look at, you know, some of these guys, James Harden dropped 41 points, Kevin Durant dropped 39 points. I mean, it was ridiculous, but outside of those two and Kyrie, really not much scoring from any of these other guys, Joe Harris, I think they could have used a little bigger performance. What were your thoughts on game three of Nets Celtics, but also the series as a whole right now, where Brooklyn stands in terms of, you know, are, should they still be considering the favorites to win the title? You know, Nets, they're so good offensively. I mean, I think there's no doubt. You're looking at how, how they're putting up points in the playoffs against the Celtics right now. Game one, 
104 points, but he, he really gets a game two. It jumps up 130, game three, 119. You're able to score points. It's just defensively. Some games you're going to struggle, and you saw that uh, this game, as you said. Jason Tatum went off. He dropped 50. Like you said, Duran and Harden, they combined for 80, but still defensively, you could not stop Jason Tatum. Uh, but when you're combining for 80, you're going to put up points, and that's what you're kind of hoping to win. We're speaking with some NFL teams. Well, when you're talking about some NFL teams, it's, they're so offensive loaded. You're going to try and win games because of your offense, and that's what the Nets are trying to do right now in the NBA. And it's been working. I mean, sometimes you're going to have a flu game, in my opinion, and that's kind of what game three was for me. Uh, so I'm not really too worried about it. I think the Nets are still going to go far. I think they're just going to have one, one or two of these games every now and then or they are going to lose because their defense uh, is not up to par. But in this game three, both teams made 16 threes, but the Celtics, they were able to win this game because they made seven more from the field. Nets are a little bit better from the free throw line, but uh, just uh, overall right now, Celtics are in game three, able to shoot better from the field. Uh, But really, for me, I'm not worried about the Nets. They're just kind of a a fluke game here and there. They're going to lose. Yeah, I I think with the nature of the Nets, um, a perfect playoffs was unrealistic. I think this team will have those games where they struggle and lose a game here and there. But overall, this team, I'm not worried about them whatsoever. I mean, you look at their star players, Taran and Harden are dropping 80 combined. I mean, that's just absurd. Um, James Harden, 10 assists and 7 rebounds to add. I mean, he has just been incredible. I mean, he blows my mind every time he, he plays. I think the problem and, and the reason they lost here was just the supporting cast did not produce to the level they probably needed to. You look at Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, Shamet, Claxton, Bruce Brown, Tyler Johnson. These are the uh, the other eight or so guys, six or so guys that were playing. And they only combined for what? Um, like 12, um, 21, 23 points. I mean, that's out of the, that's out of the big three. You probably need more bench points. I mean, you look at the bench points for the Celtics. Um I mean, they just have more consistency. I mean, you look at Fournier, Tristan Thompson, those guys are putting up points. Marcus Smart put up 23. I mean, they were just a little more all-around balanced. So um, I think with this one, Jason Tatum had one of those games, um, and they had no answer for him. He just couldn't – you know, he didn't miss a shot, really. So um, I think for Brooklyn, it was more just Tatum going off. I think defensively, I'm a little worried, though, for Brooklyn um, when they face some of those high-powered offenses and good teams like the Bucs and the Sixers, per se. I think it can be a challenge for them. Defensively, they're definitely not the best team, but they can go, you know, shot for shot against anyone in this league offensively. So it'll be interesting to see, but I agree with you. I'm not too worried about Brooklyn. Um, I expect them to win this series in five or six games. Maybe the Celtics get one more, but to me, I think Brooklyn will be just fine. They'll probably get a win, uh, you know, tomorrow or whenever their next game is. So it'll be good to see, good to keep up with. But, um, yeah, Brooklyn Nets, I know my internet's unstable right now. Hopefully we're seeing this, but, uh, yeah, Brooklyn Nets, I'm not too worried about them. Yeah, I missed almost half of that entire thing. But <laughs> <laughs> it's the hotel <laughs> Wi-Fi, hotel Wi-Fi. Hotel Wi-Fi is definitely amazing. I guess with that, we could go to the Jazz versus the Grizzlies. Jazz are up right yeah. now 2-1. to one. And right now, Grizzlies, they took that first game. But since then, the Jazz have been able uh, to dominate, really, as we said, or as you were telling me beforehand. Uh, it's really just been Donovan Mitchell leading the way both games. He had 29 points game three. He had 25 in game two. He was able to dominate. And especially in game two, the Jazz, they were able to hit on all cylinders. 14-plus points by seven players in that game offensively. They were hitting, and they were shooting almost equally from the field. But the Jazz, they're making many more threes compared to the Grizzlies uh, so far this series. Yeah, I think you look at the Utah Jazz, and they're just the better team right now. They're a very deep team. I mean, you look at game one, Donovan Mitchell was still out. 
And, you know, the Grizzlies took advantage of that. They won. But when Donovan Mitchell's been in there, I mean, you look at game two, John Moran dropped, what, like 47 or so points, something along those lines. And, the, and the, you know, and the Jazz still won by, by 12 points and whatnot. So I think it just shows this depth of this Jazz team. Um, they're really deep. I mean, you've got two six-man of the year candidates, the six-man of the year, Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles as well. Um, I mean, their starting lineup, Conley, has been fantastic this year. Um, he really found a resurgence in his career. Donovan Mitchell, obviously, one of the better defensive players, if not the best right now in the league, Rudy Gobert, the center. He's been fantastic. You got one of the Bogdanovich brothers. You know he's going to be shooting. And Royce O'Neal's a really underrated piece. This team is a deep team, and, and it's an exciting team. Um, the West is, you know, the top of the West right now with Phoenix and and the Jazz has been interesting because it's two teams you look at at the beginning of the year. And with Phoenix, you're like, maybe they can squeak in as an eight seed. And the Jazz, you're like, they're a middle-of-the-pack Western team. These teams are one and two. And, you know, obviously Lakers had some injuries and whatnot, but these teams have been very good this year. And the Utah Jazz, to me, are one of those teams that people say are definitely overrated, um, shouldn't be regarded as a title team. But I think this team could come out of the West for sure. Their depth is so good. Offensively, they're explosive. They can shoot the ball. They're an exciting team. Um, so I think Utah's a very good team. I think Memphis is a good team as well. Dylan Brooks has performed this series. He's been great for them. He's shown up in the playoffs and the play-in games as well. Um, but I just don't think they're quite ready for the playoffs right yet. Um, good experience, though. They'll get this experience, and they'll be able to take it into next year. So I think it's a huge, successful season for the Grizzlies. But for the Jazz right now, they are a very good playoff team who, uh, with Donovan Mitchell, is primed for success. Yeah, Jazz obviously very good right now. And I think if the Grizzlies want to come back and win the series, you're going to need to rely heavily on Dylan Brooks and John Morant. Like that first game, they combined for 57. You're going to need them to combine more uh, for more than that now that Donovan Mitchell is back. But uh, they shot 100 shots that first game. You're going to have to keep on shooting shots, and that's what you're going to have to do. Take as many shots as you possibly can if you want to win these games. But most importantly, you got to stop the Jazz from shooting threes. They've been dominating you uh, from the three-point line every game so far. So if you have to stop them from three, I think the Grizzlies have a good chance of winning some games. So uh, that, those are the key points to focus on. Shoot more and stop the Jazz from three. Totally agree with that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. The next game I want to touch on real quick next series, I should say, tied up 2-2, Denver and Portland. This has been a very fantastic series so far. Obviously, you've got the likely MVP in Nikola Jokic. Game four was a bit of a rough game for Denver, just looking at the stats. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., only three points. You need a bigger performance out of him. I know this team was down early, so they kind of took their lead guys out, let some of these bench guys get more minutes. But Still, the point is, this team needs to perform the Denver Nuggets to not have a good game. And you look at the Trailblazers. I mean, this is the team that I believe we both had winning this series when we predicted the brackets. They played good. Damian Lillard, um, obviously, only 10 points yesterday. But you look at what he's doing, 10 assists, 8 rebounds. He's a team guy. Norman Powell, 29 points. I mean, this depth is really good. They got McCollum, Carmelo, Anthony Simmons, Norman Powell, Joseph Nurkic. I mean, they've got great depth. Great team overall. Super excited to see where this series goes. But for Denver, the key is they just need that top tier for talent to play well. You see in game three when Michael Porter Jr. is playing well, when Nikola Jokic is playing well, this team really succeeds. Austin Rivers has been great these playoffs. He's made Knicks fans miss him galore. Goodness gracious. But 2-2, going to be a good uh, series for sure. Um, it will go back to Denver now, I believe. So um, we'll see what happens. Nikola Jokic has played very good this series. Game four was not his best game. So we'll see if he can pick it back up in game five and see if, you know, that game five, to me, whoever wins that will probably end up winning the series. Yep, totally agree with you there. And, I mean, if you're looking just quickly throughout the stats, of all, th of all four of these games, the Trailblazers, in almost every game except for, except for one game, uh, they're shooting above 50%. They're shooting well, and that's what you need to do to win these games, Trailblazers. 
Uh, we both predicted them to win it, so hopefully they come away uh, with this series. But, yeah, no Powell, game four, as you said, 29 points. CJ McCollum playing good with 21 points. So, overall, Blazers, I think they're in a good position to win these games. I mean, they're kind of back and forth. I mean, game one, uh, Blazers win by what is 14. Uh, game two, Nuggets win by what is 19. I mean, these games are just so back and forth. It's kind of uh, weird to try and predict the, what's going to happen next, honestly. But, yeah, as you said, yeah. I think whoever wins this next game on uh, – is that Tuesday? I think they're going to win the series. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. But the series that I think most people have their eyes on today at 3.30, we're going to be seeing LeBron James. Oh, wow, Brooklyn's playing back-to-back? Oh, no, they didn't play yesterday. Okay, sorry. Sorry about that. I thought Brooklyn was playing back-to-back game. I was shocked. <laughs> NBA never does that. Um, Suns-Lakers, what a series this has been so far. Lakers obviously up 2-1. I mean, this is a team that we both had in the uh, – I had in the finals. You had the Clippers in the finals, who we will touch on in a second. Had not been playing too good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the Lakers, I mean, they've come out and played pretty well. Game one was not a good game for A. Disney or Anthony Davis, as uh, the you know people like to call on the internet nowadays, A. Disney. Um, and LeBron's are just amazing. I mean um, – yeah, but besides the point, Anthony Davis, LeBron didn't play two good game one, but game two and game three, these guys started coming out. Anthony Davis struck 30-plus points, 10-plus rebounds in both game two and three. He has been fantastic. These games, LeBron looks like he's playing good. We saw Andre Drummond have a very good game two in the Lakers' depth. It's been good. I mean, you look at KCP, he was struggling. He had a bit of a better game on game three, but still struggling. Dennis Schroeder has been huge for this Lakers team so far. So, Mac, I'm going to talk about this one to you. Obviously, Phoenix, you know, Chris Paul is playing banged up right now and has been very detrimental for this team. We've seen campaign step up, but still, are you worried about this Phoenix Suns team? And now that the Lakers seem to have potentially found their stride, seem to be having fun. We saw LeBron having a chuckle on Jay Crowder was pushing up on him. You know, do we think this Phoenix Suns team can end up winning the series or do we think the Lakers have kind of hit their their cruising altitude and, and are getting past the first round here? Sorry, Rome. Uh, you're late, uh, your sons, uh, they're not looking too hot right now. I got to stick with the Lakers. I'm going to keep going back to it. You're seeing the talent. You're seeing the experience show as time goes on. They struggled that first game. Uh, Le- LeBron James was the, the highest score with 18 points. I mean, that's just so rare. You're not going to have LeBron James just scoring 18. And if he does, that means someone else is going off. That's just a rare sight. It's not going to happen again. Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, they're obviously going to play well for the Suns. But, I mean, right now the Lakers are just too good. As you said, DeAndre uh, – excuse me, Dennis – Schroeder, Anthony Davis, LeBron James are all playing too good. Their experience is showing. Game two, they all scored over 20 each for the Suns. And game two, Devin Booker level 31 points. DeAndre Aiden with 22. And you're just seeing these two guys for the Suns to go off. Well, right now, for the Lakers, you're seeing three guys go off. And I think that's the main difference right now. Lakers are able to score better with those three guys uh, than the Suns are with those two guys. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the Suns right now, and, and Chris Paul's, you know, being banged up has really affected them. I mean, Chris Paul's been a huge help for them this year. What did you say? I was like, there goes the Wi-Fi. I just saw your uh, face like <laughs> – I'm like, okay, what do I say now? <laughs> Is it good now, though? Is it good? We're chilling. Are we good? Okay, well, we're going. I don't know if Matt can hear me, but um, – yeah, Chris Paul's injury has been very detrimental to this team right, so yeah. far. Keep going. <laughs> Chris Paul's injury has been very detrimental for this team so far. I mean, you look at the 
you look at how he's playing, he's not 100%. You can just see it in the stat line and, and also just watch. I mean, he he's a little sluggish out there. He's been the spark. I mean, he, he's had a winning effect. You look at Oklahoma City and went there. He was winning. He was getting this team into the playoffs. Houston was the only real example where um, that team struggled. Um, it was kind of a chaotic mess there, you know, coaching and, and Harden was you know, being the drama queen that he is. But, um, you know, Phoenix, they're going to have to battle back. They're going to have to, you know, Chris Paul's going to have to start producing a bit more. Um, DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker, we got to see bigger games. Devin Booker only scored, I believe, like 19 points game three. He's got to be putting up like 30 points to really compete with this Lakers team. It's a good Lakers team, and they look like they're healthy and, and hitting their stride, which is what exactly needed to happen for them to have success. So Los Angeles Lakers looks like they're in a good spot. Looks like Mac can hear me as well, so that's good. So um, Lakers, uh, <laughs> looking good. I'm going to keep rolling with my Lakers here. They're not my Lakers, but LeBron the GOAT. Um, yeah, I'll keep Lakers. rolling with him in this series. The Lakers, yes. The Lakers. And uh, I guess with – I mean, we should go over to the other L.A. team that's not doing me so good right now. I mean, they're yeah. down 2-1 to the Dallas Mavericks. So, uh, let me pull up the scores of the games real quick. Mavs won first game by 10 points. They won second game by seven uh, – by six. excuse me, the Clippers. Uh, what was this, Friday? So, uh, two days ago. On Friday, they came back. They won by 10 points. And, I mean, you're being led the way by Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's obviously going to be the star of the team. Marcus Morris, Paul George. You have all these guys that are going to be able to get points. But for the Mavs, Luka Doncic. Oh, my God. He is just too good. Drops 44 in a game they lose. There's no stopping him right now. The Dallas Mavericks are super good. But Clippers, I do think, have more overall talent. They're going to be able to pull this uh, series out overall. I don't think they are. I mean, the Clippers are, are kind of a mess in my eyes. This team is – what did you say? Watch the comeback. Don't doubt my bracket. <laughs> I'm, I'm doubting it. I mean, this, this – Luka Doncic has been fantastic this series. I mean, you look at game two, 39 points. I mean, I'm just flipping through the scores. Game one, he's had 31 in a triple-double. And game three, um, even in a loss, I mean, he's putting up, you know, 44, 9, and 9. I mean, Luka Doncic is unreal. No answer whatsoever for him on the Clippers end. And, I mean, I'm just looking at the Clippers, and they've just had some questionable decisions um, that are just kind of showing. I mean, they paid Luke Kennard $64 million. He hasn't played a minute in the playoffs. Marcus Morris um, has done absolutely nothing. They paid him, like, $40-plus million. Patrick Beverly, they gave $39 million. He has no answer whatsoever for Luka Doncic. I mean, it just seems like this team has just poorly spent the money. Ty Lue has not seemed like he knows exactly what he's doing on the coaching side. Pandemic P, playoff P, whatever you want to call him, he has not been fantastic as well. He had a good game three, but Paul George has got to be figuring out how to play in these playoffs. I mean, it's year in, year out with this guy just choking and choking and and not having any, you know, success in the playoffs. He had a good game three. See if he can keep that going. Kawhi Leonard was not looking good until game three either, really, but he stepped it up, and that's the guy you need. I mean, Kawhi Leonard at one point after that Raptors title was looked at as the best player in the league. We've just seen that completely fall off. I don't even think people would consider him in the top five anymore. Um, it, it's just been kind of a weird thing with him, with his load management, and it's just not level of success. Um, it's been weird, but the Clippers right now, I mean, they've really got to get it going. Luka Doncic, you know he's going to be coming in and dropping 30-plus on you today at 930. So um, who will show up for the Clippers? Can this team get better defensively? And can they have an answer for Doncic? If they can find an answer to Doncic, they'll probably end up winning the series. But to me, if Luka Doncic keeps going off like this, I mean, it's just going to be a nightmarish series for the Los Angeles Clippers and even if they win the series I can't see them getting past the next round even too so I think it's not not looking good right now for the Clips. It may not be looking good right now but my bracket says otherwise we're rolling <laughs> to the end. 
<laughs> let's see what happens uh, tonight and if they can keep things rolling, hopefully, from this one win uh, from Friday. Yep, it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. We'll be sure uh, to keep covering the NBA playoffs week in and week out. So make sure next week we'll be right back here talking about NBA and everything that's going on in the playoffs. We'll be doing this all throughout the, uh, the finals. So it's going to be really exciting. Maybe even throwing some baseball next week. My Mets, big win over the Atlanta Braves last night, five over 500 in first place. It feels good being in first place. I'll tell you that. I know the Yankee fans haven't felt that this year, but the New York Mets, man, it feels good to be in first. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hopefully my New York team will flip things around, get things going. We'll see. <laughs> but I guess with that, you know what? Let's hope the Yankees have a good week and we're going to start talking about the Yankees instead of the Mets next week. And that'll we'll be talk it. about some baseball next week. Yeah. Sure. We'll throw some baseball into the Mets. But, yeah, I guess with that, uh, thank you all for watching. As always, it was a pleasure. Please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, not only on this channel, but on our other channel, OT Clips, where we post shorter uh, clip-like episodes. I haven't done anything since March Madness, but <laughs> hopefully we'll do things soon. Uh, if you we want just to- need some breaking news. It's been a been a slowish week. If Julio gets traded, we'll make sure to post an OTA Clips for that. Yep, and if you want to be able to come on, reach out to us on Instagram. That's the best and easiest way to reach out to us. My Instagram is mac.rommel. Griffin's Instagram is? Uh, Griffin Sack. And our podcast Instagram is Outside the Arena Podcast. So as, as I said, feel free to DM us, reach out to us there if you want to come on OTA Clips and talk. But as always, stay safe, and we'll see you all next week.